Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of uh, furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional. Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order, because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads, love where you live. Super proud, super excited, cannot wait for you to hear this conversation with my co-host about her new book. This is the On Voice Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. As always, we're so glad you're here, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. I feel like a super proud parent right now. Or, you know, that feeling when you've watched your friend do something that she's poured her heart and soul into, and you know with full confidence that it is going to profoundly change lives. Well, that's me right now. My beloved podcast co-host of six years gets to move from the co-host seat over into the guest seat today because, drumroll, her second book is out. Building Boys, Raising Great Guys in a World that Misunderstands Males. Now, in the past 20 years, I've read a lot of boy books and no bias here, but this one is the one. Wise words from a mom who has successfully fingers crossed, <laughs> successfully raised four boys, wise words from an author who knows how to weave personal stories with scientific research, and wise words from the many experts she's interviewed. This book is a page turner. Well, welcome my friend, mom, author, podcaster, Jennifer L.W. Fink. What a lovely podcast you've created here, Janet. <laughs> Couldn't have done it without you, honey. <laughs> oh, you are going to make me cry. Thank you for that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is such a huge deal that you've done this. And I am curious, first and foremost, how long have you been writing this book in your head? Oh, God. Um Years, 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 years. It took years to even get to the writing the book proposal stage because it's a lot easier to write a book in your head and have it be good. Once you start putting words down, you have to deal with the fact that they are not as good as you would like them to be. And you have to keep playing with them and rearranging them. And that's 
hard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was pre-pandemic, a couple years pre-pandemic when I first finished the proposal and took it to a conference and pitched it. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, five or more years and with the the building was all even before that. And you know that because we've been on this journey together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we've said often on this podcast that we are just all about wanting to raise decent humans, which is a lofty goal. And sometimes it is, it is. And sometimes, especially in the thick of the many adventures that our boys can get into, we're left wondering how to do that. And your book gives us the how in such a clear, effective way. I especially love the action steps for readers at the end of every chapter. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, how long did it take to write this book? It also took the whole 20 years plus that I've been raising boys because I needed to have all of these experiences. They shaped me, they taught me, and I could not, there's no way I could have written this book without going through that experience of parenting them. And that, in my opinion, is why I think it's valuable. And this was a point that I made when I was trying to sell this book because There are so many books, you and I have talked about this, so many books written by people that aren't actually parenting boys. Well, Mm -hmm. that's a perspective that's pretty valuable, I think. Yeah, which you have definitely brought to us on a a weekly basis in the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, all those boys. Have they read the book? No. What they say when the book showed up on your doorstep? Um, I did have them each. I sent them the sections where I wrote about them, you know, Mm -hmm. shared stories Mm -hmm. about them because this book is going into the world. They are teenagers. They are young adults. And I needed them to know what was there and be okay with it. Because as we've talked about many times, like connection, I I believe is the most important thing. And as much as I want to get this book out there, as much as I want to help other people, I didn't feel it was worth damaging my relationship Mm -hmm. with my kids. And so I needed them to be at least okay with it. I still think that they are, um, you know, probably profoundly uncomfortable about the whole thing. It's a very strange thing for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I fully expect, I don't think that they've done it yet. When the, we, a box of books arrived at the house and as you know, there's an index at the back, right? And I fully expect that they are going to end up going through and being like, let's see, Sam, Sam has how many mentions? Okay, Adam, how many for Adam? (laughs) I haven't done the count yet myself. Well, your book is so well organized. It's based on 10 broad rules of how to raise these decent humans. You, I mean, as I said, you include the stories, but you include the scientific details that we need to know about boy development and communication, all of those things. What I love about this organization, these 10 broad rules, is that they are for every family, neurodivergent, neurotypical kids. It is across the board, works for everybody. Initially, the first title I had for this book was The New Rules of Raising Boys. And uh, eventually that got changed. And it was actually the, one of the publisher who said, well, why don't we go with building boys since that's, you know, your thing? I'm like, yeah, why don't we do that? I jotted down those 10 rules on an airplane 
on the way back from a writing conference was where I first, you know, brainstormed them. And I, that was the idea that they could be these broad general guidelines because as our listeners well know, what works with one kid will not necessarily work with your other kid, even if they're both boys, even if they're the same age. Um, So if you look at some broad principles and then you can figure out how to apply that in your life with your kid. I can't tell you the specifics of what to do when your seven-year-old keeps poking his four-year-old brother. I can't tell you the specifics of that, but I can give you some really good guidelines that you can use to figure out what you want to do next. I just want to say the 10 rules because I want our listeners to really get this and know that they need to get this book. I'll just put that in there, but I'll just go through the 10 and then we can dive in a little bit deeper. Number one is learn the terrain, learn about your boys. Number two, emphasize emotional intelligence, discuss and demonstrate healthy relationships, let him struggle, help him find and develop his talents, give him time, challenge him with chores and caregiving, keep him close, connect him to the real world and accept him as he is. There you go. Yeah, it's all you have to do, right? So simple. Just Easy. that. Yeah. I'm curious which one is your favorite. Um, I know it's like uh, you know, which kid is your favorite, but which one's your favorite? Not really. Um, because there were chapters that were easier to write than others. There were there are some of these rules that I think I did a better job with with my kids than others, because like all humans, I have natural strengths and talents and inclinations too, right? So the first one I wrote, and I actually had it written um, for the book proposal. You have to do a sample chapter in the book proposal. The first chapter I wrote was help him find and develop his talents mm-hmm. because that was some that was a part of parenting that I enjoyed. You know, I enjoyed watching my kids and getting to know who they are. And it was a pretty natural thing for me to fig- find ways to facilitate that development. So that was one of my favorite ones. Let him struggle, closely related. And you know how many times I have seen and watched my boys struggle with problems and come through with amazing solutions. So those were easier ones to write. Chapter seven, challenge him with chores and caregiving. Super important. And one that I even admit in the book, I don't think I did a great job of this as Mm -hmm. I was parenting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, listeners, you're not going to be great at everything all the time. You just can't. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's one you're good at and maybe you struggle with some others and that's okay. You don't have to be hitting on all cylinders on all of these all the time. But what you can do is just pick it up, open to a page and go, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, this is great. I mean, I'm just doing that right now in my favorite rule, which Which, of course I have my favorite rule. (laughs) My favorite one is give him time. Ah, give him time. I like that one too. And I just opened the book for example, give him time. Don't force driving. Mm. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, scanning through it. But I love this one because, you know, when you're, when you're in that early stages, watching my grandson, it's like, he will walk, he will talk, he will potty train, he will read. We don't have to panic 
in those early years. He's, you know, he probably will drive at some point. He might not want to when he's 16, but he might. He may not need to. He may may not not need to to. because he is being born at a time when, you know, self-driving cars and autonomous technology. Like my kids could be the last generation to drive. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. So I just love the emphasis on these things will happen. Sit back, relax, enjoy the process and don't telescope your worries. Oh my gosh, he's not potty trained or, oh my gosh, he's in second grade and he's not reading yet. Don't telescope those worries into the future. Stay in the present. Enjoy what's unfolding right before your eyes and take the time. Give him the time. And of course, that's such a hard thing to do, right? Because as parents, we want to make sure that we notice when things are going off the tracks before Mm -hmm. the train totally derails. That Mm -hmm. is always our fear, right? So if you have, you know, a two-year-old who's not talking a lot, yes, you are going to be concerned about that. If you have a son who is, and I'm putting air quotes around this, falling behind in school, you worry about that because you want him to learn. And so in this chapter, I've tried really hard to um, give some of the scientific background. First of all, as we've talked about here before, boys develop more slowly. Mm -hmm. They will get there for a lot of these things, but their brains and bodies simply need more time than many of us think to mature. So for me, knowing that fact helped me relax about a lot of things. And I hope that it will for other people too. And in daily life, there is this balancing act of enjoying the moment, knowing what's more or less typical at this point in time, what that range is, and being willing to just talk to some other parents. And if you have a concern, yes, mention it to your child healthcare provider. And you give a lot of scientific background, developmental mm-hmm. background in the book. So pick up the book and read. It takes infant boys longer time to settle, for instance. I mean, just mm-hmm. y- you've got so much in there. I want to talk about your boys. You've raised four boys and still working on it, Janet. Still working working on on it. It It never goes away. I mean, you'll always be quote unquote raising them, but uh, you know, you've been, you've been through the thick of it, I would say. (laughs) I love it when you say that because, you know, listeners, Janet and I talk nearly every week and she gets to hear what's going on behind the scenes while I'm parenting, while Mm -hmm. I'm writing the book. And so, yeah, you know, there's been some stuff. There's been some stuff, but Mm -hmm. let's talk about siblings for one thing. (laughs) Siblings, boy siblings and boy friendships. Yes. So it's funny that you should say that because in response to one of my newsletters recently, somebody's like, oh my gosh, thank you for this. My kids are fighting all the time. I've, I've got these, I think she has three or four boys. And, you know, I, I feel like I need to intervene, but if I'm like, how do I have time to do that and have a life? And so I shared with her this one stat that I found, which made me feel so much better. Researchers who have observed siblings in action have documented the occurrence of sibling conflict at a rate of up to eight times per hour. Ah, as I wrote, (laughs) do the math. That is one incident of sibling conflict every seven and a half minutes. Right. And now I'm not sure 
Like if that's just two siblings, now imagine if you have, right. you know, three or more. Yeah. No I, wonder. Yeah. No wonder we're tired all the time. Mm-hmm. And they are learning about relationships and they are learning about boundaries. They are learning about negotiation. They're learning about respect. They're learning all of those things, but it can be loud and messy and chaotic. And it's not as simple as like they learn a lesson and then they just do it right all the other times. Mm -mm. It's not how it works. Mm -mm. Well, that is a sobering statistic. And as, as our longtime listeners know, I always look to you for the statistics. So (laughs) that's awesome. We're going to take a brief pause for these messages from our sponsors. When we come back, you are going to hear how the sibling dynamics of Jen's four boys has changed over time. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. With four boys in the house, yeah. how has the sibling relationships developed and changed over time? Oh, okay. And you know, I wonder if there are ally- ever-shifting alliances. Yes. How- mm. Yes. So when they were all young and at home, right? And so I'm thinking at this point, say my oldest is 11 and the youngest is about three. They're all at home. There is a lot of bickering, some physical stuff, but nothing serious physically, but just constant back and forth bickering. There was a lot of the older boys kind of picking on the youngest because guess what? He was the weak link. You know, he couldn't stand up for himself as much. And we as parents always did our best to, you know, call him out if it was going too far because you don't want your older siblings to bully or emotionally damage your younger one. And we're also like, guys, watch out. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger. (laughs) He's going to. And you know what? That did happen. There's a time when the little one starts getting stronger and bigger and they realize we can't push him as far. As the boys got in um, high school and beyond, it was very interesting to watch relationships shift. Um, 
Nathan, my oldest, from the time he was probably a junior, really wasn't home that much because mm-hmm. between his lawn mowing business and his music and he did a performing group in the summer, he just wasn't home that much. So the others formed their relationships. Nathan left for college. I had my next two were in high school at the same time and they played soccer together. So they got really close because they knew a lot of the same people, did the same stuff. And when my second son graduated, I kind of worried like what would happen to that dynamic? He left and now number three and number four got more close because Mm -hmm. they were at home. And even when the boys get together now, there's still a fair amount of, you know, picking on the youngest one. Not going to lie who is now, I think, the tallest of all of them. Maybe not quite yet. He's on the verge. He's going to overtake. He'll be the tallest. My second son, who's 22, he came home about a week ago. And when Sam, the youngest one, came home, they, they greeted each other. There was a little bit of good natured ribbing. Then Tyler said something like, hey, you didn't respond to my text. And they talked. And it was Tyler asking Sam's advice on something. It was asking for his advice about, you know, selling um, a motorcycle. And that's an area of expertise for Sam. And it was like, they're starting to recognize that each other has skills and talents and they're there for each other. Wow. And they can tap into that. That is awesome. Yeah. I hope that gives some courage to the moms who are in the, you know, five, six, seven year old range and going crazy that, you know, it will develop and all the bickering actually is bonding. It makes us crazy, but it's bonding. Right. And that's a point that I tried to make and show you in this. First of all, Boys do bond differently than girls typically do. And there's a lot of evidence to show that going around the world. And if we look for them to bond in the same ways that we did with our friends, it's not going to look the same. That is not to say that boys can't bond by going shopping together or by reading together. They certainly can. But you can't expect that to be what you're going to see most of the time. And you have to learn to look for different things. Mm -hmm. And I think I've told this to you before. I've probably said it on the podcast. It's really kind of helpful if you can just sort of try and observe and imagine you're watching a nature documentary (laughs) and the young are learning to get along with each other. Like, take yourself out of it. This is just their process. And Mm -hmm. this is what happens. And yes, you need guardrails. Yes, they need redirection. Yes, they need your help to identify appropriate and versus inappropriate language and behavior. They will get there. You don't need to come down hard every moment. Mm-hmm. So when Nathan was born, I'm, which is Nathan's 24, right? He's 25, 25 now. 25 years ago when Nathan 25. was born, I'm guessing the only thought about gender was maybe, you know, we were kind of in the gender neutral toys at that time, you know, give the, give the girls a truck and give the boys a doll and everything will be fine. And wow, have things changed since then? You know, what's so interesting when Nathan was born, we were living in um, an apartment on the other side of the state. It was a fourplex. We were on the bottom and this apartment was next to the cemetery. Okay. And from the time Nathan could pull up to a window and look out the window. And then we had this one cardboard box we had let him play with. And then he would stand on that and had it so he could see better. He loved to watch the lawnmower at the cemetery. (laughs) That was his thing. 
He loved it. We would go outside. We'd watch the guy cutting the grass. He took the guy flowers sometime. And, you know, people who read the book and people who've heard us talk, he ended up creating a lawn mowing business. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that when he was one. I didn't know that was going to be his path. Looking back, it's like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Which is why we want to follow their passions, right. even at age one. I mean, right. I'm watching Bo at age one and any truck that goes by, he's there. You know, he hears it, even if he's doing something else that perks him up. Who knows? <laughs> we were we were laughing the other day. He had on a dinosaur shirt and a dinosaur pants and he was kind of pointing to them. And, and uh, Katie and I are looking at each other like, uh, is he gonna like dinosaurs? We're kind of we're kind of like let's let's not do the dinosaur thing. But dinos he, are fun. Well, we're kind of more into let's do the truck and train thing. Let's do the uh, marine animal thing. But you know he's gonna decide you for himself. We right? don't get to pick. It's interesting because we did have a wide variety of toys, right? You know, at that point, of course, that was Nathan crawling on the box and ignoring the toys that he had. He had a little Elmo kitchen. Um, that was the first toy that freaked us out when I realized in the middle of the night that toys can start talking to you when the batteries are going dead. Listeners, you know this by now, but I didn't know that at that point in parenting, you know? So we had toy kitchens, they had stuffed animals, they had dolls, they had trucks. Um, the boys went through a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful period of time when they were super into Care Bears. It was the second, second go round of Care Bears. And I have this lovely photo of um, Nathan and Tyler, my oldest two, in the crib. Adam was the baby, like holding all these little mini Care Bears that they had. So they had exposure to a lot of things and they each had their individual preferences and directions mm -hmm. that they went into. Mm -hmm. Expand on the gender conversation, because I don't know about you, but I 25 years ago, never heard of non-binary. It's an evolving conversation right mm -hmm. now. It's an evolving conversation. Um, and it was kind of tricky in writing this book because I do realize there are non-binary people. There are trans people. And that's fantastic. That's wonderful. Let's support everybody and let them be who they are. I really think, and you know this, like, let's stop trying to box people in to this is how you have to look or you should behave because of your gender. So in writing this book, I really worked on drawing people's attention to a lot of the stereotypes that do affect males and anybody who chooses to present as male. Mm -hmm. and how those can hinder them. And from there, let's look at the individual child and support the child. Along those lines, there are aspects to typical boy development that you write about in your book. Is there any one that surprised you or maybe you think that readers may not have heard of yet? I mean, we've talked about on the podcast of you know, let boys start school a little bit later, that kind of thing. But anything come up for you as you were writing that was like, huh, hadn't really thought about that or talked about that? The thing that surprised me the most in writing this book was 
Cliffhanger, my dear listeners. We'll be back in a moment after these messages from our sponsors with the thing that surprised Jen the most. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. Okay, so chapter eight is keep him close. And we know, you and I know, we've long known that it is important to continue to have a close relationship with our boys, even as they grow, even as they change. We had um, Michael Reichert on here. You know, he talked about connection is key for raising a healthy boy. And I believe that. What I did not know until I started researching this chapter was like two generations ago, three generations ago, the thinking in the world of parenting and psychology was not to keep your children close. The thinking The very common thinking promoted by the president of the American Psychological Association was not to coddle your kids, not to show them affection. And learning that just blew my mind because it explains so much about not just my family, probably your family and so many other families. And so you can sort of see where these ideas came from. And how they are still affecting many of us today, especially men, especially boys. And then, I mean, listeners, I'm going to give you a bit of a spoiler here. But this this psychologist who was promoting this, he had two sons. He, he practiced this. Neither one fared very well. One ended mm. up dying of suicide. Wow. The other admitted to struggling a lifetime to connect with other people. That was a very, very powerful thing for me to read and learn and uh, realize how important this connection is. It sounds so stupid when I say it out loud that the big takeaway is that connection is important for human beings and for human development. It sounds like we should know that. And yet we haven't always. Well, and I mean, and thank goodness that is 
normal. That is typical. That's where we go. Everybody talks about the importance of connection. But the thing, this is so profound and it gives me chills just thinking about it is, you know, I think I'm a, one generation above you. Am I? Is that You're right? like half a generation I'm, above. Yeah. You. I'm like half a generation above you thinking of our parents. And we've certainly talked about how we were parented and, you know, what our parents were like and are like, and they were in that time period of yep. don't coddle, don't keep them yep. close. And I will tell you in my family, I mean, I felt loved, but I didn't feel I, and I'm thinking of who was it that talked about parenting? Oh, teacher Tom was on and he was talking about how the word parenting only really came into yeah. use in the 60s mid 60s. And- well, I was born in the 50s. So my parents were not parenting. We were like lived in the same house, but there wasn't yeah. parenting. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, my parent, I felt loved, but really my parents did not say they loved me. Like they didn't say, I love you. I started saying it after I left home and had some friends who said it. I'm like, whoa, you can say that. And I started saying it to my parents and they started saying it back. So we kind of got that handled if you want to call it that. But so thinking about that, all right, I'm grandparenting now. And I, but thinking about the men especially who are dad fathering right now dadding Mm -hmm. right now coming from this lineage of don't coddle don't talk about emotions don't and I do think that our cultural norms and expectations of men are changing more slowly than they did for women which now that I say that out loud Janet that makes sense think about this we were talking about the pace of male development tends to be slower than the pace of female development, right? So we've made great strides. And yes, there's a lot of work to be done. I am well aware that there are issues negatively affecting women and girls in our culture and our society. Let's keep working on that. But a lot has changed from in the 50s when you were born until now. I mean, it's drastically different. It hasn't, we haven't had that kind of shift yet We're sort of still in that place of, well, we say we want this in a man, and then we also sort of give him a hard time if he's a boy acting that way, or if he's a man acting that way. It's not clear. It's not solid in our culture. We haven't accepted the fact that, yeah, it's perfectly okay for men to wear skirts, like we've accepted it's perfectly okay for women to wear pants. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think maybe a lot of it is like, on the intellectual level, we've accepted it or we're coming to accept these things. But the heart level, you know, the place when we're feeling tender, that place, maybe we're not quite there yet. And because as parents, grandparents, educators, we also worry about our kids and we don't want them to get hurt. And so we know there are places where and places and people who may cherish and accept and protect your ability, you know, little boy to do and act and wear whatever you want. And there are other people who will not. Mm-hmm. And so we're all trying, we are all trying to make sense of that right now. And there is frankly a lot of variation in that in this country right now. Different neighborhoods 
are totally different in terms of what they expect or allow little boy of little boys right now. And that is a confusing place in time for a boy to be a boy. Mm -hmm. And I will just plug in here. You know, we've talked about it on this podcast too, of, you know, the differences between white boys and boys of color. Um, It came up again, you know, in the research, it is, it's so clear that for all the negative outcomes where boys struggle more in school, um, boys are not doing as well in terms of graduating from school, in terms of uh, going on in life. All of these things where you can say where boys are falling behind, it tends to be black boys, boys of color are doing worse. And it's not because they're not capable. It is, that is not it at all. It is systems. It is structures. It is inherent bias. There are so many people that don't even realize that they hold a bias about a boy, for instance. And then there's, you layer race on top of that. Mm -hmm. And it's been long known, you know, there are people will look at and think a black boy is older than he is. So then they're also holding him to different expectations. And none of that is fair or right. But we have to look at that and work on breaking it down before we can do better for those boys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's speaking to it, saying it out loud and not being afraid to. An aside, just an aside, I'm reading a book about called Cast, Isabel Wilkerson. Oh. Oh my God. The caste system, that's part of this whole thing you're talking yeah. about. It is eye popping. It is like jaw dropping. Yeah. yeah. I want to read that one. You got to read it. Just one, one aside. They, they're talking about Nazis and how in like the 30s, they were creating the the whole Jewish thing, the caste system, based on American laws. They yeah. looked at our structure. I heard I'm that. Just like, Which oh is my god, appalling. oh my god! The fact that the Nazis were looking to us for inspiration and making and doing a little lighter job of what we actually had. I mean, oh my yep. god! I'm just yep. like, yeah. yep. 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 Okay. Back to your book. Um, what haven't we talked about that you want to make sure we highlight? I don't know, Janet. My head has been spinning so much lately. I Every don't know. single page. I mean, I just opened the book and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, we need to talk about that. I, I really just encourage our listeners to get this book read it, share it with your parenting partner. Again, it's so well laid out that you can just pick it up and read a page, any page, and you will, you will be encouraged, but maybe you'll also be like, yeah, I've been doing that. Got this. I think a lot of us are. I think a lot of us have And by us, I mean, those who are parenting boys, I think a lot of us who are parenting boys have discovered and and adapted some of these things and personally felt kind of bad for it. And like, maybe we're doing something wrong. We've wondered if letting our boys, you know, wrestle and fight and go after one another without too much intervening, like, is that the wrong thing? Am I encouraging the wrong things? Am I letting the wrong thing happen? Are they going to be terrible people? And then you get an email from school and you're like, that's it. That's it. They're terrible people. I'm totally screwing this whole thing up. I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know that there's reasons behind what you're doing, that it makes sense. And I want to put this out there too. 
Somebody reached out to me today and I'm so looking forward to this. She recently started a book club for moms of boys and they're going to read this book <gasps> and I am probably going to zoom in and do a Q&A with them. Love I it. would love to do more of that. So listeners, if that is something that you are interested in doing, shoot us a note. We're going to have the contact information in the what, Janet? In the show notes. <laughs> in the show notes. So I really think that's where some of this change has to happen. Yes, change happens in our home, but when we can work together and support and encourage one another and work on creating you know, communities that are healthier for our boys and our boy parents, that's good for all of us. <laughs> so if anybody's interested in setting up a book club or doing a Zoom, or if your, you know, your school PTA is looking for something, please reach out. I am very interested and open to doing those things. Well, and it's like we talked with uh, Florence Ann about creating your village. Yes. And this is a great way to build your village. I, I'm just going to guess if one mama put this out there in a Facebook group or at school, as you said, I have a brilliant idea. So where I am, like we're coming on spring, summer sports season for in my world, that has often meant baseball. I know there's other spring sports too. whatever your kid plays, right? You end up sitting on the sidelines or in the bleachers with those same parents nearly every week or every couple of weeks. Seriously. Just read a chapter in between weeks. Talk about it in the bleachers. Yeah. Maybe I'm the only one who wasn't totally enraptured by 11-year-old boy baseball. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe everybody else is super into the game. I'm just saying. If you just want some other conversations going on on the sidelines, this is something you can talk about. Well, and a conversation starter, sit on the sidelines with this book and let others see, you know, wave the cover around a little bit. That's and right. be like, what are you reading? What's that? What's that book? You know this, Janet. I don't think we told our listeners. I got a puppy recently and I got the puppy from a farm family near here because again, rural Wisconsin, this is how you do things. And I picked her up the day after I got my box of books. Mm. And I know that this family, they have four children, um, ranging in age from first grade down, two boys, two girls. I know that the first grader has already gotten like notes and phone calls from school. And so I took a copy of my book along. And when I picked up my puppy, I said to the mom, I'm like, you don't have to do that. I don't know if you want this or not. I wrote this book. If you are interested, I would love to give you a copy. So I did. And later that night, the dad of the family, who I'd been texting with, texted me and goes, I think she likes your book. She's reading parts of it out loud to me already. Well, there you go. <laughs> right? I mean, that is, that's for me what it's all about, right? Yes. Because she picked it up and it resonated enough right away that she was sharing it with her husband. And what I tried to do in this book is share some of the things that I discovered the hard way that nobody told me I didn't know. And I struggled through as my guys were growing. Listeners, you're still going to struggle through. You're going to have challenges, but you don't have to struggle through the same things. You can yeah. come empowered and you can have information. And when we share that with each other, it's better for all of us. Definitely. And just speaking it aloud also 
embeds it a little bit further in ourselves too. And in the culture, as we Mm -hmm. share that, we are culture makers and changers. We're not just passive participants in what's happening. We can work to change things. Jennifer L.W. Fink, (laughs) my podcast co-host, mom of four amazing boys and author of Building Boys, Raising Great Guys in a World that Misunderstands Males. This book will be out soon. You can get it anywhere you get your books. I highly encourage you to buy two copies and give one to your son's teacher or coach. I love that idea. Secretly, that's my hope too. Holiday gift. Thank you, gift. Excellent idea. Yeah. End of the year gift. Here, read this over the summer, dear teachers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so accessible. Thank you so much for sharing your struggles, your triumphs through 25 years of raising boys. You are definitely an expert. Is this the part where I'm supposed to thank you for having me on the podcast? Yeah, do it. (laughs) thank you so much for inviting me on this wonderful podcast that you have created i'm so thrilled to be here with on boys and listen you heard the you heard the sarcasm in my voice but i am thrilled to be here you and i created this and this book it was an inkling in my head when we started this this has all been building towards this and it feels Mm -hmm. so good to finally share it with the world and to have these other avenues to share it as well. So thank you for coming along on the journey with me. Thank you for putting up with me. There were a lot of hard times in doing this. There were times when I struggled with the writing. There were times when I struggled with the parenting and there was times I struggled with all of it. Mm -hmm. You have picked up slack when I couldn't do things. And I so appreciate you and your support. And we're both going to end up crying. Yeah. And back at you. Listeners, we couldn't do it without you too. So thank you for being our On Boys listeners and sharing all of this information, all of these insights and inspiration and the struggles. We got to do this together. Let's go build some boys. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks. Ah, that interview was so much fun to do with my co-host, really And truly, this is a phenomenal book. I highly recommend. As I said, get two copies. Share it with a friend, a teacher, a coach, a new parent. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast, and we are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being our listeners. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.